The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me again on Psych Up Live. Today we have a powerful and important show. We are joined by Therese Schechter, the award-winning filmmaker of the new documentary, My So-Called Selfish Life. If you haven't already seen the documentary, you'll probably want to see it after this show, and we will give you information to make that possible. As you'll hear, Therese spans decades to consider the historical events, medical advances, gender diversity, political sentiment, personal and family reactions reflecting one of our society's greatest taboos, choosing not to become a mother. We have been told that it is the destiny of a woman to have children, whether that is something she has yearned for her whole life or something she's never considered as her destiny. Consider how many families revere the bachelor uncle who chose never to marry and never to have children as compared to the aunt who they worry about who never married and chose not to have children. Why is her choice not as well respected? In addition to being an award-winning filmmaker, Therese is an inspiring public speaker and the founder of the production company Trixie Films. Her work fuses humor, activism, and personal storytelling to stir up with questions what is considered most sacred about womanhood. Therese began her two-decade long film career as an intern at Robert De Niro's production company, Tribeca Productions. Since then, her documentaries have screened on television and at film festivals from Rio de Janeiro to Seoul. Her work is in the collections of over 300 universities, libraries, and, have been, and she's been covered by The Atlantic, New York Magazine, The Chicago Tribune, and more. Her documentaries include I Was a Teenage Feminist, How to Lose Your Virginity, and my so-called selfish life. Therese Schechter, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Okay. So the, the first question I, I have for you is what prompted you to create this particular documentary, My So-Called Selfish Life? Well, I guess I can start by saying that I'm somebody who never wanted children, and it was something that I never really talked about. It felt like a really taboo subject. Um, and so I spent much of my life not talking about it. Um, and then in the last seven, eight years or so, I noticed this real bubbling up of the conversation. I, partly because of social media, people were getting online, joining communities, and talking about these uh, choices they made about their lives that were very similar to mine. And because it was something I'd been thinking about for so long, I thought, well, this is probably the right time to make this film. I'll also add that um, choosing not to have children is not really a fringe or a fad. It's actually um, 
a large number of the population is considering not having children. Um, adults under 50 recently were surveyed by Pew, and 44% of them said that it was not very likely or not likely at all that they were going to have children someday. This is a growing segment of the population, which also made me very interested in exploring what was going on. Okay. Well, what's so interesting about your documentary is that it is filled both with people who, just as you said, have made the choice not to have children, as well as the historical and continued pushback um, on people who do make that choice. Maybe you could share one of the most interesting um, pieces or a beginning piece that really sets off the documentary is the story of Marsha um, and the 60 Minutes piece in which she tells, her, her and her husband tell the her mother-in-law and father-in-law that they've chosen not to have children. Maybe you could share that one. Sure, I'd be happy to. So Marsha Drett Davis is an extraordinary woman. Um, she is a child-free pioneer. She was involved in these conversations and a sort of a budding movement back in the early 70s through an organization called the National Organization of Non-Parents. So this was early 1970s this was happening. And she was at... Um, at a conference of this organization, and she was approached by a producer from 60 Minutes who asked if uh, they could film her with her in-laws um, because Marsha and her husband were going to tell his parents that they weren't planning to have children. So as Marsha says in the film, for some reason I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can see on her face that, that in retrospect maybe she shouldn't have. But um, there's a fascinating footage from this 60 Minutes episode, which profiled three couples that didn't want children. And um, they film Marsha talking to her in-laws. Um, her, her husband, I, I think, spoke a lot during the interview, but they cut him out completely. But it was just Marsha uh, saying this. And her in-laws did not take it particularly well. And when the show aired, which they chose to air on Mother's Day, by the way, uh, after the show aired, uh, it had some very, very serious consequences on Marsha's career. Um, and um, it's kind of a shocking story, to be honest. Mm -hmm. She lost her teaching job. She got death threats. This is all because she appeared on 60 Minutes talking about not wanting a child. Mm -hmm. So it's really yeah. a, it's a dramatic cultural example of the pushback now and, and we there's loads of examples of this but one of the things that you do so well and it's such a interesting documentary it's enjoyable interesting powerful moving but you you sprinkle humor throughout this Therese and I think people will relate everybody has seen the sitcom ad in which Elaine is yeah, a woman, group of women are gathered around Elaine telling her, Elaine, you must have a baby. And no matter <laughs> what she does, there's no talking to them. And then we've talked before about the pressure put on Jennifer Aniston. This poor woman has had very little acclaim for her acting compared mm -hmm. to the continual pressure by the press that insists she's having a child. 
um, you know, there are pictures of her, the baby bump. I think we mentioned, I read somewhere that they said if Jan- Jennifer Aniston had actually had a child every time magazines <laughs> insisted that she was having a child, she'd have 18 children. I mean, at least. <laughs> yes. So we see that subtly there continues to be, I don't care how good you are as an actress, what we're really interested in is you having children. Now, one of, one of the powerful pieces of your work is the very interesting women who spoke about their choice not to have a child and what they were planning for their life. And as one woman said, a woman of color, she was so grateful that her mother made her an independent thinker. What did you find was interesting about the many women that you interviewed, Therese? Well, these women are fantastic, and they're all interesting in their own way. And I think I think one of the big takeaways for me was that women who choose not to have children are not a monolith. They're all very different. Um, they all have very different lives, different beliefs, uh, different joys. Um, and I think sometimes when women are portrayed who don't want children, they're all portrayed as like the same, that same person, sad, selfish, unnatural, lonely. And uh, one thing I wanted to show in the film was the incredible diversity of people who, who make that choice. Um, and these women are all, they're fantastic. They're all really interesting. They're funny. Um, they have interesting lives. Um, they have different kinds of relationships. So um, I think that's that's really the key is that they're all very different people. Mm. One of them that was particularly interesting to me, she shares that when she graduated college, she bought a house with the intent, oh, this will be for my husband and my child. But as an artist, she fell in love with her life, her work, and she said, you know, I don't think that's what I want. I want to be an artist. And it's not that she had rebuffed this, except that she found the choice that worked better for her. Right. And as she says in the film that she grew up in the South. And growing up in the South, um, she was just constantly being told she needed to get married and have children um, from a very early age. And it was pretty clear to her that that's not what she wanted to do with her life. She's a brilliant artist. She's a musician. She's an incredibly talented uh, woman, and she left the South and she moved to New York so she could live somewhere where people would kind of let her be herself. Um, and uh, it's a great scene where she was saying that she, she she bought a house, you know, getting ready to have the family and the kids, um, and then kind of rolls her eyes because she's like, what was I thinking when I did that? Um, that's how strong society's pull is. Um, that's the kind of intense um, pressure that many of us feel, uh, that it's sort of a foregone conclusion. Um, of, but yeah, that's Shantani. She's, she's terrific. One of the themes that comes out with one of the people that was interviewed is Dr. Dennis. She's a professor who offers a course in child-free life. Now, I wanted our listeners to know that this is really not about pushing people not to have children. This is about choice. So there's a piece in which she's teaching her class and and people in the class are responding. And one woman raises her hand and says, I told my daughters, you got to do what you want. Don't have kids. And she says, whoa, wait a minute. That's not a choice. We're talking about reproductive justice. 
What you want is for your daughter to choose without being pressured either way. And I think that is an important part of your message, Therese. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's really important. This is not an evangelical film <laughs> that's like trying to convert people. Um, really, the film, when you really get right down to it, is the idea that we have to be able to make our own choices about our reproduction, about what we do with our bodies, about what we want our future to be, because if we can't make those choices about our uh, wombs and what we want to do with them, we can't make choices about our lives. And I, you know, I think that that's true whether you want children or not. You want to be able to decide for yourself uh, what you want to do. Uh, and that's a funny scene. Um, the woman is like, I told my kids, don't have children. <laughs> and really, uh, Dr. Dennis jumped right in and said, no, no, we have to make choices, wise choices. Tell them to make wise choices, which um, I think really does speak to this idea that there isn't one right choice. It's the right choice for you at right. the time, so, right? Mm -hmm. And also, like to make to make these wise choices, you need you need good options. If you don't have options, you can't really make good choices. Mm -hmm. And that idea about options comes out with Dr. Bernadette Russell, the OBGYN person, a physician who's on the show. And she reminds us of how few options women had. I think of how many women who were just searching for a way to control conception, not because they hated children, but because they had so many children already that they could barely raise or feed or women who chose not to have children would have to choose celibacy. There was very little in the way of option, as she says, beside timing, prayer, dance. I mean, some <laughs> women were as witches because they were trying to come up with a way that women could somehow control their destiny. Um, the reverse we know is true, and you, it's a, such an important part, where women as slaves were property. And the children they conceived were sold off. So the whole idea of women not having control of their choice is a powerful part of your documentary, Teresa. It really becomes clear, wow, women had a very rough time with this choice. And then the right. became legal. Right. I mean, I will say that women have always looked for contraception. They've always been looking for safe and effective ways to not get pregnant or to terminate pregnancies. This is, it, from prehistory until today, this is something women have been looking for. These are things they have taught each other how to do, um, working with herbs. I mean, there are a lot of different ways. They weren't always safe and they weren't always that effective, but this is something really that was like women's wisdom and how, and how to control their fertility. And even today, and we know with the leaked opinion from the Supreme Court that uh, they're planning to overturn Roe v. Wade, um, we are in exactly the same situation, which is women want to control their own bodies, that they do not want to be forced into having children that they don't want. And um, that is a very, very real threat. And it has been a threat for a long time. For poor women, they haven't really had very much control over their own fertility um, recently even. So 
this is an ongoing struggle. And I think part of it, like we have to say that part of it is if a woman can't control her body, she can't control her life. And that's the point mm-hmm. that women aren't meant to control their own lives. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live, and we're so fortunate to have with us Tariq Schechter, the award-winning filmmaker of the new documentary, My So-Called Selfish Life. When we come back, Teresa's going to share the choice her mother made, which is very relevant to the conversation we're having. Stay with us. Much more to come. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. If you're looking for a radio program focused on reinventing public education, look no further. Let's Reinvent School with Ross Danis will have you graduating with a new perspective on the public system and offer insight on what needs to be changed. Let's Reinvent School. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Therese Schechter, the award-winning filmmaker of the new documentary, My So-Called Selfish Life. And we've been talking about the question of whether a woman can choose to live her life without fulfilling the expectation that she must have a child. And one of the things Therese mentioned to me is that one of the things you're going to see in the documentary is it's funny. There are parts that just, you know, add humor to a situation that can seem rather rather serious. And of course, it is a serious topic. But if we don't add humor into our life choices, I'm not sure how we would make any of them. But that that being said, you have to fall in love with Teresa's mother, who's in this documentary. Um, I think at one point, she said to Teresa, listen, 
I knew when it came to grandchildren not to look at you. I looked toward your sister. So she loves you. She knows you, um, accepts you. But I think it would be so important for our listeners to hear about your mother's story. Um, sure. I, I have a fantastic mother. Anyone who watches the film will immediately see that I have a fantastic mother. And I have a fantastic father, too. I'm really lucky. My sister and I talk about winning the parental lottery uh, because we have such great parents. Um, so uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to my mother about was that um, when when she was young, in her early 20s, she... Um, left Romania with my father. Um, they had lived through World War II. They were survivors. They then lived through communism in Eastern Europe. And then finally they were allowed to leave as political refugees. And that meant traveling from en route to Israel. My mother felt very, very, very sick all the time. And she thought she was seasick. When she arrived in, in Israel, um, her cousin went with her to the doctor, and they found out she was pregnant. So you have to picture my parents in their early 20s, don't know the language, don't speak Hebrew. My mother is in the middle of university, has not yet finished university. They don't have a penny because they had to leave with the clothes on their backs, basically. And she's pregnant. And her cousin, you know, assumed, uh, understandably, that she was going to get an abortion. Um, abortion was legal, it was available, it was not a big deal. Um, and so she took it upon herself to go from door to door to collect money in a hat to pay for my mother's abortion. Um, from all the people who lived in this little immigrant like settlement. And she collected this money, presented it to my mother, and said, here, now you can have an abortion. And I, in the film, I asked what my mother thought about this. That, my, that her cousin had done this, and my mother said, I think she was magnificent. <laughs> Can you imagine doing this? And um, my mother could have had an abortion, and my mother is very pro-choice, supports uh, abortion, thinks it's an important part of reproductive health care, uh, but she decided that she wanted to have the baby. And she tells me in the film she decided to want to have the baby because she knew it was me. Which I think is just the sweetest thing for a mother to tell her daughter. <laughs> but she knew it was me, and, and she went ahead and, and had the baby, and they, you know, figured it out, and um, and that's it. And, and the, I think the really important thing about this story is that she was able to exercise a choice. She was able to have options, which you have to have. She had the option to have an abortion. She had the option to have the baby. She chose to have the baby. And that's, that's, the, that's it. That's essential. That's the essential thing that, that we have to give to women. Well, Therese, what, what, Therese what, what struck me is that when your mother said, she said two things that women are told when they choose not to have a child. She said mm -hmm. she was told she was being very selfish and mm -hmm. that she regret it. And she said, I didn't feel I was being selfish, and I have never regretted it. So I, it was when I heard her say that, I thought, this is the exact opposite position, and yet it's to be respected. It was her choice. And mm -hmm. no, whether people told her she'd regret it or not, what people thought was not what she felt. So it, it's, it's so important that you are talking about choice, because you are the product of choice. 
I am the product of choice. And you know, if it had been me in that position, I would have had an abortion. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. fine because we should be able to control our own lives. But it is interesting. She was told she was selfish for having a child. And, you know, we talk about this word selfish a lot, and it gets thrown around at women who don't want children all the time. Title of my film. Uh, but women are called selfish for all sorts of reasons, including having children when someone thinks they shouldn't be having a child. That's so it, it seems to me that the word selfish is used anytime a woman makes a choice for herself. Anytime she does what she wants to do, she runs the risk of being called selfish. And and so, yes, she was called selfish for having a child. And, um, no, she never regretted it. And she's she's a great mother. Um, mm. And uh, and then uh, my sister was born. Um, and my sister has always wanted children and got married and had two boys. And I have the most wonderful nephews who are in their 20s now, which is crazy. Um, so all of this is this idea that we have to have the freedom to pick the lives that are best for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, now let's talk about something you, you feel is important. I think everybody does, and women get confused about this. The idea, Therese, of the biological clock is ticking. Right. And women, women have to save their eggs. Women have to do something. You must do something. Let's talk about where that the origin of that term even comes from. Yeah, the biological clock is one of my favorite things in the film because it's something we, it's like a thing we talk about all the time. Like it's an actual thing and it's not an actual thing. We don't have alarm clocks in our bodies that will suddenly go off one morning and then we'll feel like, oh, now I must have a baby because this alarm clock just went off in my body. Um, I mean, we have a biological clock that regulates our rhythms of our lives. Um, but this idea of this baby alarm um, was basically invented by a journalist in the 70s, a guy who wrote this article about um, women who were desperate to have a baby. And that's where the, the term biological clock comes from, from this article. And even the women he wrote about were not Actually, it's like a composite woman, he says. <laughs> so you, people have to read this article. It's easy to find online. Um, and it's, the clock is ticking for the career woman. That's the headline. Uh, this, this thing that we call the biological clock is really sociological. You know, we respond to what's going on around us. Our friends are having babies. Our families are bugging us to have babies. We feel like we're getting older. You know, there's this end to fertility. That's biological fact. But... But this idea of the, I must have a baby right now, that is all about what's happening around us and what people are telling us. Um, there's, there's like no little baby alarm. That well, was an invention of a guy in the 70s. And it sits side by side. I mean, you, you treasure your, um, your nephews. I treasure my children and my grandchildren. But the whole idea that only being a mother is to be um, pra- something to be proud of, you know, brings us to another topic. I mean, some of the things in the film, in, in your documentary, like there's a woman, I think she's a, um, 
nuclear scientist and you're a rocket scientist. And when she passes, the, obi the obituary doesn't even mention that to the very end. And the family is so outraged that the New York Times had to redo it. And then you speak so much about, and I know women have suffered from this, uh, it's called um, pronatalism, which is the idea that um, only great wives get promoted to be mothers, only mothers are the people to be loved and respected. And the most, I, I think, Blair uh, Koenig's idea about mommy jacking, everyone listening probably knows something about this. There was a young woman who, who posted that she got a PhD from Stanford. She was only 21 and so happy people believed in her. And boom, the response on Facebook was, you haven't learned anything until you've had a child. Now, why is that? <laughs> why can't there be room for both? <laughs> yeah, the term mommy jacking was coined by Blair Koenig, who is in my film. And uh, she used to have a blog with all kinds of very egregious social media posting by parents. Um, oversharing, she called it. And there is this phenomenon that she called mommy jacking, which was like, no matter what your post is about, no matter what you're talking about, someone is going to jump into the comments and talk about their kids. <laughs> or talk about something to do with, with being a mother. Um, that is a mommy jack. Um, so, yes, this woman who, who uh, graduated from Stanford, one of the youngest to graduate from Stanford, yes, the, it, a lot of people are saying, hey, congratulations, way to go, that's awesome. And then somebody jumps in and says, yes, you haven't learned anything until you've had children. And it's like, what? <laughs> what the hell? And I think we experience this kind of thing a lot, and we don't have a name for it. It's just this thing that happens, and we're sort of scratching our heads, wondering what, <laughs> what's going on. Uh, but now you have a word for it. It's called mommy jacking. And that's what, that's what happens to Jennifer Aniston. Like, her entire career, over and over again, has been mommy jacked. No matter what she does, somebody slaps a headline on a magazine cover about her uterus. You know, one of the other pieces that relates to women who suffer as a result of the pronatalism and every, only only mothers are the best and the best are, and your mother mentioned it, because she had feelings about Mother's Day, and she said, well, what about the, your mom said, what about the people who have lost a child or cannot conceive a child? And you did have a, a very interesting woman in the documentary who marries, and they try, and they tell her she has no eggs, and she's infertile. And her husband leaves her. He says he's leaving, and she's she's devastated. She's she's now told she can't be a mother. She's no longer a wife, but she rebounds when she finds someone who really loves her for her and says, "We'll do whatever you want to do." I mean, the way she chooses not to have a child um, and chooses, she gets two masters, um, and she really just takes charge of her choices, even though she's been set back. Um, and even rejected for being infertile. It's a hard it's a hard piece to see in the movie, but she does bounce back. She's really lovely, yeah, Michelle. I thought it was really important to talk about the women who who want children and can't have them because I think even though um, the desires are very different, one group really does not want to have children, and the other does but can't. I thought it was important to talk about that. And, and indeed, Michelle um, went through 12 years of various fertility treatments and 
and nothing happened. And, um, you know, a marriage ended and then she, she found a new partner. And I think the really lovely and interesting thing about Michelle's story is that she made peace with the fact that she wasn't going to conceive a child. And then she said to herself, well, my entire life was built around becoming a mother. And if that's not going to happen, what will the rest of my life look like? And she thought about it. She was, well, what am I going to do now? And what she decided was she was going back to school. And when I interviewed her, she was in the middle of a double master's degree in um, bioethics and uh, public health, <laughs> getting, getting two master's degrees at once. And now she's doing her PhD, actually. And uh, she's, she's really happy. And, I, and I've asked her a couple of times whether she regrets that she couldn't have children. And she said, no, not really. I like my life a lot. I'm, I'm very happy with my life. I'm happy with the experiences that I've had. I spend a lot of time with young people, you know, in college. <laughs> and um, and that, that's, that's what she wants. So, um, you know, I thought that was a really, really interesting story and, and a story about how we, we don't always know what's going to happen in our lives. And um, our lives have value whether we have children or not. And I think a lot of people who are trying to conceive and can't are treated like they have no value, that they're, that they're broken. And just like we want to validate people who don't want children, um, we also have to validate people who do want children and can't have them because a lot of the things that get thrown at um, the child free is not that different from what gets thrown at the childless people who can't have children. Because again, if you say motherhood is the greatest accomplishment that a woman can have, what does it mean if you don't accomplish that? Right. Right. What, what is your life? You know, and the truth is we all have value. <laughs> we can all live full, rich lives. Um, without necessarily having having kids, our, we have value. Our lives have value, mm-hmm. um, and and a lot of the film is sort of like we see you, we see you there, we see you there, and, and we love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know we're going to have to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about just on that note that you know the established father knows best nuclear family is not the only option, just like. Um, having a child, if not possible or not chosen, is not the only option. And we'll even take a look at, you know, what we what we know and don't talk enough about is forced sterilization in the history of this country. So we're really underscoring in every way that we're talking mostly about the gift of choice. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more. You've been listening to Psych Up, uh, uh, Psych Up Live, and we're here with Therese Schechter, the right, the filmmaker of the new documentary, My So-Called Selfish Life. Stay right with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. 
Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? We don't think so. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Ed Cheney. Ed and his guests will explain full-spectrum CBD, using the whole hemp plant for good health and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. We're here with Trevor the award-winning filmmaker of the new documentary, My So-Called Selfish Life. And Teresa and I have been talking about other options. And I want her to share a little bit about a special couple and what they found in terms of the demands um, to have a child and the way they found unconventional ways to find family. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple in the film. Um, Shannon and Leo, they're married. Um, I remember reading an article about them and I thought they were, their story was really interesting, but also they were really funny. And I have to say some of this material, you know, is, is kind of dark or depressing. So I'm always looking for people in the film who, who can, you know, tell their stories with a sense of humor and a sense of joy. And, uh, so Shannon and Leo were definitely those people. Um, they were, they described themselves as they used to be a lesbian couple. Um, and Leo transitioned from female to male. And Leo looks very masculine. He has a big beard. Um, and once they started looking like a straight couple, looking like, because they are a queer couple. Once they started looking like a straight couple, suddenly people started asking them when they were having kids. So when they were a lesbian couple, people didn't really ask them. As soon as they looked like a heterosexual couple, people people were asking, which is, is kind of hilarious. And what's especially hilarious is it wasn't just their, like, families, but it was also their queer community. Like, their queer community was also saying, hey, you guys should have some kids. And... um you know, they're, they weren't interested in that. Um, however, they, they do have a, a beautiful extended family in the sense that they're very involved in the lives of their friends and their friends' kids, and they're very involved with um, queer youth. They chaperone queer prom. 
every year, which is in the film. It's one of my favorite scenes. These are, you know, high school kids that can't go to the prom with their true love because they're in a same-sex relationship, and a lot of schools are still not open to that. Um, they can't be themselves. So they, they, they have these proms outside of the whole school system, um, and, uh, and they're lovely, and you can bring your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever friend. Uh, they're super fun, and that's something Shannon and Leo do every year. So they give a lot back to the larger community um, and to children and teens. Um, they're really wonderful role models. So one of the things that was really important was to say, hey, there's more than one way to have a family. You know, one thing that makes me a little crazy is I, I'm married, and my husband and I are a family, <laughs> period. We are a family, the two of us. Uh, we're not going to start a family. We are a family. Um, and I think there are so many ways to make a family. Not everyone likes the family that they were born into. And um, there are so many other ways to create that. So in the film, you see people that have different kinds of relationships that you can call a family, even if it's not a family of, um, of birth. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the whole idea of moving beyond just the conventional nuclear family without, without putting it down or, or not celebrating it. But what you're saying is the openness to choose and to celebrate all kinds of possibilities. You know, just thinking about the couple who, when he transitioned, people started asking them about having children makes me think of some um, lesbian couple and gay couples who want children and mm-hmm. who have children and they are fabulous parents mm-hmm. sure sure absolutely you know, um we can't pick and choose that gets back to eugenics we can't pick and choose who's allowed to have children and who's not i mean that's the other point that comes through in your powerful documentary that's never going to be acceptable i mean look where we went with hitler on that we, we just can't decide who's okay to have children and who should be sterilized. Right, right. And, you know, this goes back to this idea that um, reproductive rights, reproductive justice um, is about being able to have children if you want children and being able to not have children if you don't want children. So um, it's not just in one way. It's about fighting against, like, reproductive control, we don't not we don't want to be reproductively controlled. We want to be able to make our own decisions. And when the government does it for you, um, when the government decides whether you're going to have a child or not, as um, is uh, looming on our horizon, um, you're really less than human. I'm quoting Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is there's a clip of her in the film, and and it makes it makes you less than human if you cannot make that decision for yourself. Um, so, yeah, these things are all, they're just really essential to our happiness and to um, our joy in life and what gives us meaning in life. Um, I want people to leave this movie feeling really joyful and loved because we love you no matter what you decide to do. And I think that's really, really important. The, the other thing, thought that I want our listeners to think about is this. 
whether you choose to have a child or not, we, both of us, and I'm sure everyone listening, have at times been mothered by someone other than our own mother. So many people in 40 years of practice have told me about someone along the way who, who did the mothering, who stepped up in a way that the natural mother could not have done it. And so I think one of the people in the movie says, I don't have children, but I love children. And so we, we really have to open the, the expanse to everyone to be able to nurture and love children. And even for mothers, on the other hand, to be able to say, I love my kids, but I don't love the work of a mother every day. It has to be authentic. But let's not forget that you don't have to have the child to be a very important person um, on the pathway of someone's life. And I, I'm hoping, and I, 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 I told that um, Teresa, I've, see, I've seen now this, this documentary a number of times, every time, gleaning something different and something very important. So um, one, of the, one of the main things being that the right to choose is the gift that we give people to live a good life. But I do want to take a moment and ask you, Therese, if you were to send a, a take-home message out to our audience, what would it be? I think my take-home message is that what we desperately need for ourselves and for the people that we care about is the time to think, to think about what we want our lives to look like, to consider the options that we have, to have the tools to make those options happen, and to have the support and love to be able to make those choices. Wonderful. I think that being a parent, yeah, being a parent can be wonderful, but we really need to think about what that means, what that means for us, what that means for any future kids we're going to have, and we really need the space and the tools and the support to make the best decisions for our own lives. And there are lots of ways you can live your life. Wonderful. Now tell our listeners, Therese, how they can find you and how they can find and listen to the documentary. Find me and our film at myselfishlife.com. That is the website where everything starts. If you go to myselfishlife.com, you can get to our social media communities, which are very robust and active in on this very, very special streaming period where we are streaming the film globally. I think we lost Therese. And I would say to you, go to my so-called Selfish Life online and you, you can find information on getting tickets and being able to see the documentary. Um, I want to thank you, Therese, for your sense of humor, for your continual scholarship, for your filmmaking expertise to bring this documentary to so many people for whom the choice to have a child is a very, very big choice in their life. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, my website, on the podcast app of iPhone. And by this afternoon, uh, by 4 o'clock, this will be a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple, Amazon, Audible. 
every every platform that really handles podcasts. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, please be safe, thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.